jump into today's message. It's an illustrated message. We don't always have things like this on stage, uh, but want to do something a little bit different. And difference okay, isn't it? Difference, difference can be good. I wonder, how many of you have ever seen the show The Chosen? It's a popular video series that's come out. It's about the life of Jesus. And I love one of the, the lines that come from that show where one of the disciples is talking to Jesus. Jesus has begun his ministry, and he's ministering to people. And one of the disciples says, um, this is different. This isn't like what we've experienced before. And Jesus tells the disciple, get ready for different. Because Jesus came to change it all up, didn't he? He came to change it up. So this morning we're going to do things a little bit different. And uh, we're going to be sharing a message, an illustrated message with you this morning. And um, it's hard to believe, but my family, we moved here to the valley 22 years ago this month. We've been here 22. And when we, when we moved here, it was myself, my wife, Jenny, and my daughter, daughter Kara, who was 11 months old at the time. So she, next month, is going to turn 23. So we've been here 22 years. And one of the things I love most about uh, living here in the Wenatchee Valley is, is the beauty that surrounds us and all the, all the benefits that come with living in a valley like this. Uh, about five years ago, my family took advantage of, a, of a, an excursion that was held down at Confluence, down on the water, and we were able to do a canoe trip as a family. And I've got some pictures up here I was going to show you uh, really quick, just three pictures of our family down on the water. And this is a great fun time we have. That's my beautiful wife, Jenny. Uh, we're down there just kind of beginning our journey. The next picture, I think, is uh, my son, Braden. He's a little taller now. That was a few years ago. And then I think we have one more picture. Two of my other daughters, Kara and Rachel, and our guide is in the back. So here we are, we're setting off, and we're beginning our trek down the river. We're starting this, in, and I had never done a canoe trip like this before, so it was great. We got our instructions, put on our life jackets, got our oars. We started heading down the river, and it was beautiful. We were heading out, and we took some time on the way down. We stopped at some tributary areas. We could see the nice still waters, kind of like this little course through there, and eventually we made it back to the main river and kept on going down. But eventually, we got to the point, the halfway mark of our trip, where we needed to stop and we needed to return back the other direction. And I didn't know what I was in for. <laughs> See, it was easy going downstream. But then when he said, okay, you need to start paddling and you need to keep paddling, don't stop. Keep going. And so we were going. And the first couple minutes was, oh, okay, well, I can do this, I can do this. And then I realized we're not making the time that we made when we were going downstream. <laughs> it was going to take a lot longer to go upstream than down. And I was working, I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, am I going to make it? Can I do this? I'm looking at my son. He was much smaller, and he's paddling. But then he was littler, and so he'd take a break for a while. And I'm like thinking, oh, man, okay, here we go. And so we paddled, and we paddled, and we paddled. And we didn't take any nice little stops on the way back, it was all the way back to the dock where we started at. And I was just praising the Lord Jesus when my feet were on the ground again. Every muscle, I had muscles, I had no idea. I mean, God created these human bodies of ours. They are a, a, a miracle, they are amazing. But I used some parts of my body I have never used in the history of my life before that day. I was worn out and tired. So I, I, it was a great outing. I had some pictures, beautiful. This was the before, but then the after it was more like this. We had a good time. We had a good time, and I learned some things on the way. The main theme of today's message, it revolves around choices. Talking about choices today. Life is full of them. It's full of choices. In fact, studies suggest that the average human being makes thousands of decisions a day. Thousands, not hundreds, thousands. Some of the choices we make could be considered more minor in nature. Things like waking up when the alarm goes off or hitting snooze 12 times. That's a choice we can make each day. We can choose whether we're going to dress up or dress down for the day. We can choose whether we're going to go to Starbucks or Dutch Brothers. Dutch Brothers is better, by the way. Sorry, Pastor Jerry. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, make a choice like that. We can choose cash or credit. We can choose whether we're going to shop locally or if we're going to shop online. We can choose to answer a phone call or let it go to voicemail. We choose whether we're going to read a book or take a nap. 
Or this one, we, we can choose to do the dishes or we can eat indefinitely off of paper plates. Those are minor decisions, choices that we make every day. But sometimes we make larger decisions that have a huge impact on our lives. A decision like maybe where someone is going to go to college or what kind of profession someone is going to pursue in their life or, or a big one like maybe being, becoming a homeowner, buying a house or probably the most important decision of who you're going to marry. Those are big decisions. That's, that's bigger than, than Starbucks or Dutch Brothers. Those are des- decisions and choices that we will make that will have a huge impact on our life. Pastor and author John Maxwell, maybe you've heard of him, he puts it this way. Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. Did you hear that? Don't miss it. Listen again. Life is a matter of choices. Every choice you make makes you. Very important. Every one of us have choices to make in life. And that brings me to the title of our message today. It's it's this, Choices on the River of Life, What Flow Will You Go? Okay, that's our, our title for today's message. Choices on the River of Life, What Flow Will You Go? In the Bible, we find references to the river of life, and we also find references to streams and water. Revelation 22.1 talks about the river of the water of life. And John 7.38 says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from them. In reality, we are all travelers on the river of life. But we need to understand something as we're on this river. There are two streams, two destinations. There are two currents or flows, if you will, two opposing directions. One of those leads to blessing and abundance and health and freedom and power and victory in life. But the other flow leads to disaster, leads to destruction, defeat, And eventually, it leads to death. So we have to ask ourselves a question this morning. And it's this. Which current am I going to follow in life? Which current am I going to go? What flow am I going to follow? And since you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, by your attendance alone, I believe that you want to be in the current that leads to life. I'm going to assume that today, since you're joining us in here. Okay, so I I believe that. So we're going to get ready, but before we do, if you want to take notes, today would be a fun day to take notes. Um, You have a program that was handed to you this morning. On the back of it, there's some fill-in-the-spot parts on that. Or if you want to do it digitally, you can go to our website, wfa.church, then go to resources, go to live stream, and then there's the notes you can take today, and you can fill in the blanks. All right, let's jump, jump in. We're going to take a look at various items in our boat that will either help or hinder us in our pursuit down the river of life. You ready to go? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for these next few moments as we look into your word. I ask God that your word will be spoken, not mine. That in the fun of the illustration that we will also hear the eternal truth that you want to proclaim today into the lives of people. I ask, Father, that you will just open every heart and every mind that we be receptive to what you want to say and what you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm going to take a quick drink of water. It's hot up here. We always crank up the AC on Sunday mornings, but once we get these lights on and people in the seats, it always warms up. But at least it's cooler in here than it is outside. Amen? We're going to look at our items. Seven items in our boat that will determine what flow we will go. Number one, here we are, baggage. Baggage. Stuff kind of like this. Maybe... uh, Maybe you have suitcases at home or you travel, maybe you travel light, but these are our baggage today. And there's two kinds of baggage in our boat, but the first type of baggage we're going to talk about this morning is is we're going to talk about burdens. These represent burdens. And maybe you've seen bags like this before people carrying in their life. You know, they have a burden, a bondage in their life. 
Or maybe someone is, is carrying the burden of, of worry and it just consumes them every, every day and every moment. And then, then there's those maybe who, who carry the burden of fear. Maybe you've seen people carrying those. Or maybe you have baggage that looks a little bit similar, but maybe your bags might say depression, might say addiction or regret. This represents the burdens that can weigh us down. When we carry burdens like this, we get loaded down. It's heavy. And these are burdens that we don't want to carry, but they can be present in our boat on the river of life. And the Bible has a lot to say about burdens. We're going to take a look at some scripture here. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. Hear what the Bible has to say about burdens. Verse 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. 1 Peter 5.7 also has something to say about our cares it says, give all your worries and your cares and your burdens, if you will, to God, for he cares about you. Those are, that's some good news, isn't that, in that scripture right there? He promises that he will help us when our burdens get heavy and what he has to offer is light and that we can cast every care, every burden to him for he cares for us. No matter what baggage, no matter what burdens we carry, God's promises his help to us and the strength that we need to see us through. The Bible also goes on in Galatians 6.2. It says this about burdens. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Sharing one another's burdens. In my family, we can attest to people who've come alongside of us and helped us carry our burdens when we were going through difficult times. Many of you know it's a testimony I'll continue to share because it speaks of God's faithfulness. My son Braden was born 13 years ago with congenital heart defects. Two of those defects needed to be repaired in order for his life to be spared. At four weeks of age, he had open heart surgery. During that surgery, as they were making those repairs, there was complications with that surgery. And so they had to uh, implant a pacemaker which keeps his heart functioning to this day. And as we were in that hospital, many of you prayed and you stood in the gap with us and you sent us scripture verses and we put them on the walls of his room and you helped carry our burdens as we were feeling so heavy. And then three years ago, you're aware, or many of you might be aware that uh, we had another complication where his pacemaker failed and I found Braden in full cardiac arrest. When you're full, full in cardiac arrest and your heart is not functioning, you are clinically dead. And we performed CPR. He was airlifted to the hospital at Children's. Uh, God was gracious and he's good. But I knew that I knew that the people at Wenatchee First Assembly were covering us in prayer. That the burden that we were carrying was being shouldered by others as well. And there was something to know that we weren't alone. We had the Lord with us, yes, but there were so many who helped shoulder that burden with us. Your prayers and all that you did, it made the difference. We were loaded down, but we did not go under. God was gracious, and he used many of you to carry a burden for us. Have you ever had someone come into your life and help carry a burden with you? Have you? Raise your hand if someone has ever walked with you and carried a burden with you. We need each other, don't we? That's a part of being the, uh, in the family of God, that we can shoulder. There will be times when you are the burden bearer, you help others, and there's times where people will come and they will surround and help you. We, like it says in Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens in this way, obey the law of Christ. That's what we do. Now, burdens are only one kind of baggage. We're going to talk about a second kind of baggage in our boat this morning, and it's this. See, this treasure chest right here, when we think about treasure chests, usually we think about gold, silver, jewels, 
money, a lot of times that's the connotation we have when we, when we look at a treasure chest like this. But this treasure chest today represents God's blessings in our life. It represents his provision. And this morning I could take a microphone and I could go around this room and I could ask people to give testimony, personal testimony on how God has seen you through, how he's blessed you. Provision after provision, God has shown you his favor. We could pass it around if we had the time and we could hear personal testimonies of how God has blessed us. But one thing we need to realize is, is that if we're not careful, our blessings can load us down just like our burdens do. I want you to watch a real quick video with me about this where Jesus is talking to, to Simon about a, a fishing trip that he was on. Watch this video with me if you would. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. That account of what we just watched, that video, um, is out of Luke chapter 5. And so here is Simon Peter. He's fishing. He's been fishing all night. And he, he comes in and hasn't caught anything. And Jesus tells him to go cast his nets one more time. And so he just, just does it. And then all of a sudden, boom, the catch of all catches. And we didn't even get to see in this video because it's, it doesn't tell the whole story. It says that there was a second boat and they had to bring a second boat to, to get the rest of the fish. And that both boats were completely full, overflowing to the point where they thought that both boats were gonna, going to sink. You see, this was a blessing that Jesus was giving to Simon. He said, you've been going all night, just cast your nets one more time. But the reality was he had a call for others and then their boat was filled as well. Simon began to share the blessing of what he had just received. It wasn't for him. He didn't hoard it. He called and others came and they filled both boats to overflowing.
And in the same way, friends, God wants us to be faithful in sharing our blessings. Otherwise, we become burdened down. It can press us down. It becomes too much. God wants us to share our blessings. And we do that a multiplicity of ways. We give of tithes and offerings, which we did earlier in the service. Sometimes we give to missions or maybe uh, out of a blessing you've received, you can support a child uh, through Compassion International or World Vision. That might be an option. Or someone can volunteer their time and their efforts down at Lighthouse Ministries or, or Serve Wenatchee or a new ministry that we're linking arms with called Safe Families. Or maybe you can just bless the person living next to you, your neighbor. God wants us to be faithful, to share. See, we have a generous heavenly Father, and he blesses us in various ways so that we can give in return. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Hear what this says. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then uh, produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. We are to be his conduits. We receive, we give. That's the thing. We don't become a warehouse, a storage, holding up everything so that way it's too heavy and it begins to burden us and bring us low. We are to be God's conduits. In our boat of life, we carry baggage, both burdens and blessings, but we are responsible to make sure they don't take us under. Amen? All right, let's move on. That was our longest one. There's seven of these this morning. That was the longest one. These other ones might go a little quicker. So hang in here with me. The next item in our boat is this. One of these right here. What is this? It's an oar. Correct. It's an oar. These are very, very important. What's the purpose of an oar? The purpose of an oar is to take you where you want to go. It helps steer you and it helps propel you forward. Um, You don't want to set out on a boat that doesn't have a motor without some way to steer, without some way to propel you. James chapter 1 verse 22 says that we are to be doers of the word, not only hearers. A little play on words. Work with me here, folks. Come on. Do or. Say do or. Isn't that fun? We are to be doers, doers of the word, not merely just listening with our ears and not applying it to our life. James chapter 2 Uh, Verses 14 through 26, a little larger portion of scripture, but you need to hear it in totality to understand what he is saying to us this morning. James 2, 14 through 26. James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, at Wenatchee First Assembly, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save you? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? James declares, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown right to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. 
So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Quite the imagery there, isn't it? Listen to that. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So if you're taking notes, here's something you can write down. Faith can be summed up as action. It's action. It's something that you do. If I'm on my canoe one day and I'm going and I'm going down the river and I see a $100 gas card floating on top of the river, because those are pretty handy nowadays, aren't they? Yeah. If I see that, what do I do if I want to get that? Do I just hope that just floats over next to my canoe and just pops up and jumps in my pocket? Is that going to happen? No, no is the right answer. No, if I want to go get that $100 gas card that's floating on top of the water, I need to go and get it. I need to use my oar. I need to go and pursue it. That's the only way that I'm going to be able to obtain that blessing. I have to go after it. That's the only way. I can't just wait for this thing to jump into my pocket. And it's faith in action. James chapter 2 says faith without action. It's useless and it's dead. I love how I think of this as we must be doers like Abraham. Verse 21 says, his faith and his actions worked together. We need to be doers like Rahab. In verse 25, it says, she was shown to be right with God by her actions. If we desire God's blessings, friends, if we want his character, if we want his healing, we have to go after it. We have to pursue him in that because faith is action. Faith is action. If we want to be in a current that leads us God's way, it's vital that we be doers of the word. All right, let's move on to number three. Number three, we're going to discover our third item in our boat. And it's this guy right here. If you're taking notes, number, item number three is a life jacket. Got to have one of these. I borrowed these from... These, in fact, I borrowed this canoe. I borrowed a lot of stuff from the West family. Thank you, West, for making this happen today. A life jacket. A life jacket, its purpose is to keep you from drowning. It's to preserve your life. That is the whole reason this thing was created. It's to keep you alive. In fact, in most places, you are required by law to have one of these in your boat. If you're going to go out on the water, you have to have a life jacket. It's not an option. It's important. Now, on the river of life, we need to understand that our life jacket is made up of two parts. And we're going to talk about those two parts right now. Okay? There are two parts that are woven together. The first part, if you're taking notes, is the Holy Spirit. The first part of our life jacket is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15, verse 26 says, But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father. And will testify about me. And Jesus said in John 16, 7, But I tell you that I am going to do what is best for you. That is why I am going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. There was a time in the Apostle Paul's life where he was having a struggle. I spoke a couple months ago about the conversion of, of Paul, how he came to faith in Christ. But even though he was journeying in faith with Jesus, he was following Jesus, there was a time where he was going through a personal struggle. And it says that he called out to the Lord for help. And here is how God responded to Paul. This verse isn't going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear the interaction that takes place here. Listen to what Paul describes. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Through personal experience, Paul came to know that the Holy Spirit would be his help, would be his strength, would be his defense in life as he struggled. Not based on the other temporal things that happen in life. We all go through struggles, but he became to rely on the Holy Spirit as a life jacket in his life and in his ministry. The second part of our life jacket are spiritual mentors. Spiritual mentors. Who are some of the spiritual mentors the Lord has placed in our lives? I mean, it could be many different sources. It could be pastors or Sunday school teachers, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, best friends. There's a ton of people who could serve a role as a spiritual mentor in your life. For me personally, my parents were my number one spiritual mentors. I was blessed to have two parents who loved Jesus and loved each other, and they spoke wisdom into my life. I learned to lean and rely upon the life jacket of their wisdom that they spoke to me. They imparted life to me because that's what they, they were full of the Lord, and so they spoke wisdom to me. And I'm so grateful for the influence that my parents had in my life. There's many times over the years I know that I avoided trouble because I listened to the wisdom my parents shared with me. I know that's the effect it had in my life. And still to this day, my mom is a huge mentor in my life. My father uh, went to be with Jesus nine years ago. And I still will at times remember the things that he spoke to me in my life. But my mom is still a mentor in my life, as are other people when I look at those the Lord had sent my way. My grandpa, Grandpa Danielson, pastor for 50 years, huge influence on my life. Jim Hance, Jim Sweeney, Vern Weaver, Troy Jones, Jerry Beebe, and many, many, many more. Those are the spiritual mentors in my life. And I am so appreciative that they have been there for me. I do not know where I would be without their influence in my life. It's made a huge difference. And maybe as I've been going through a list of things, maybe you've begun to think of those in your life who have been spiritual mentors, those who have spoken wisdom and life to you. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that the Lord doesn't just leave us floundering in life, barely able to keep our heads above water. We can find help in the life jacket that he gives us. He provides for us through the Holy Spirit, through others who are spiritual mentors to help us to make sure that we are safe, that we are on the solid rock and trusting in Jesus. When we travel on the river of life, we need to have our life jacket. It's very important. I'm going to stand that back up because we got to go on. We got to move on. All right, so let's review we talked about baggage in the boat. We've talked about an oar. We talked about our life jacket. And that brings us to our fourth item this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down on line number four there, I want you to write down people. People in your boat. In other words, the question is, who is in your boat? All right, this is Joshua. Come on over here, Josh. He's going to stand here with me for a minute. My bud. Who is in your boat? Is the people, are the people in your boat, are they paddling in the same direction that you want to go? Are, are, are they helping you in your pursuit? What kind of company do we keep? That's an important question. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And I'm a dad of four, with four children growing up. And there was many times I spoke with the students and my kids about the importance of choosing those you, you choose as your friends wisely. Very, very, very important. And that's a topic that all of us can, can have applicable to us. It's important who is in the boat of our lives with us. 1 Corinthians 5, or 15.33 says this, Bad company corrupts good character. But you can flip that around. You could say good company complements good character. Now, someone might be saying, well, Pastor, wait a second. Hang on, hang on. Didn't Jesus, like, hang out with sinners? He was, like, you know, always with the sinners. Didn't he do that? That's, that's what, a part of his thing that he did while he was here on earth. Well, that's true. 
Jesus didn't isolate himself only to the religious crowd. He didn't do that. But there's a big difference between the people that we come into casual, uh, casual contact with day by day with those that we allow or we invite into the boat of our life, like I, I invited Josh to be in my boat this morning. There's a big difference. Out of the, all the multitudes that Jesus was around, he had 12 disciples, his close companions. And out of those 12, he had three which were his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Jesus was keenly aware of who was in his boat. He knew who they were. So my encouragement this morning, we have to choose who our paddle partners will be, and we need to choose wisely. We need those who will help us pursue Christ, people who are passionately in love with Jesus, and we need to uh, have people in our boat who will spur us on in moving more towards God. Those are the type of people we need in our boat. We need good company like Josh here. Would you give a hand to Josh Eagle this morning? You can go sit with your family. By my estimates, he's been in that canoe for an hour and a half. <laughs> Appreciate you, bud. Thank you for doing that. People, it's important who is in your boat of life. Okay, we're going to move on to number five. We're going to look at the next item in our boat. These guys right here. You need a map and a flashlight. If you're taking notes, write that down. Map and a flashlight. So hear this, Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp and guide to my feet and a light for my path. Psalm 139.3 says, you chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am. We need light. We need direction in our life. And we have to have these items in our boat as we're traveling down the river of life. It reminds me of a story. Can I share a story with you guys? Once upon a time, three men were hiking and they came upon a large raging river and they needed to cross this river. They needed to get to the other side, but they didn't know how. So the first man says, God, give me strength to cross this river. And poof, God gave him big arms and strong legs, and he swam across the raging river. It took him two hours, but he finally made it to the other side. The second man seeing this prays, God, give me strength and tools to cross this river. And poof, God gives him a rowboat, and he rows across the raging river. It takes him 90 minutes, but he finally reaches the other side. Seeing all this, the third man says, God, give me the strength, give me the tools, and give me the intelligence to cross this river. And poof, God turned him into a woman. <laughs> she looked at the map, hiked upstream for 50 yards, and crossed the bridge to get to the other side. God bless the women. They'll even want to stop and ask for directions sometimes, and the men won't. How many of you know that God has given us the tools that we need to go in the right direction and to make good decisions? He's given us his word, hasn't he? He's given us what we need. You see, but it's up to us to decide whether you and I will follow his map, his directions, his leading, or if we will choose to go our own way, take our own routes and our own detours. If we seek our own direction, we will lose our way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? Death. It leads to death. There is a way that seems right. But if we get out on our own detours, our own side streets, our own way, it will only lead to destruction. See, a map is just a useless piece of paper unless you use it for its intended purpose. And a flashlight is a useless instrument unless we use it to light our way in the darkness. And in the darkness of our world right now, we know we need the light and the truth of God's word. Amen? Don't deceive yourself. This world is dark. 
And it's not going to get any better because God has a plan. We are here. We are occupying. We are not of this world. We have a heavenly home. We are here. But we know that this world can only be redeemed one day, and it's God who's going to redeem this world. But as we are here, until we are called home, we have a purpose to be here. And so this world is dark, but our hope and our life is found in the light and the truth of God's word. God has a plan for us, and he knows the best course for us to take. So we need to be resolved and steadfast in following Jesus. So quickly, now we're going to go right into number six. This is going to go much, much faster, okay? We needed to have a map and a light. Now we're going to go to our sixth item. If you're taking notes, it's this right here. This is a rescue buoy. It's different than the life jacket. See, the purpose of a rescue buoy, the lifeguards who have these, they use this to help save others' lives. See, the life jacket is there to preserve your life, to save your life. But this rescue buoy is used by lifeguards to save the lives of others. They are both flotation devices, but they serve specific purposes. Now, there's a difference. We need to understand this, okay? In life, we can become so preoccupied with what we're going through that we fail to see the needs of those around us, those who might be drowning in sin and they are lost and they're struggling to make it to safety. The Bible speaks to us as believers in Jesus. We need to understand, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the word of God tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And in Mark 16, 15, It says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So just as a lifeguard will go to great lengths to help save the life of a drowning person, the same way we are called to help those who need to be rescued and be brought to Jesus. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, how can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them if they've never heard about him? How can they hear unless someone tells them? It's important. It's a question we need to know is this. Are we willing to step out of our comfort zone so that others can hear the message of God's saving love? It's up to us. Back in the 1940s, a church over on the other side of the state, on the west side, Renton Assembly of God, they had a mission that they wanted to help people to know about Jesus. And so they started a bus ministry. And they would take this bus ministry and they'd drive all around to pick up people who didn't have a way to get to church so they could come and hear the good news of Jesus. And one area that they went to was called the Renton Highlands. And um, in this particular area, there was a lot of uh, a a small community of uh, people living together and really, at that time, really kind of run down apartments and homes. And it was kind of like like the, the bad part of town. And there was a particular woman. She was widowed. She had six children. She had lost her husband and two other children, and now she was raising six on her own. She had a a third grade education level. That's as far as she made it through school, and now she's raising six kids. Well, this bus ministry would show up on Sundays, and she had to work seven days a week to make ends meet. And the way that she made ends meet is is that she washed people's clothes by hand. That's how she did it, and she'd make money. So she was able to send these kids, these six kids, to rent an assembly of God on this bus on Sundays to go to church. And so these kids went to church. They heard the good news of Jesus, and every single one of them accepted Christ as Savior. The youngest boy of the family, his name was Robert. And it made all the difference to Robert because he came to the faith in Jesus because of that ministry. And that makes all the difference to me because Robert's my dad. Now hear this. Because someone stepped out of their comfort zone and said, hey, we, we have a passion for people. We want to go and see them come to Saving Faith. Let's start a bus ministry These kids came to know Jesus. And so my father accepted Jesus. And then eventually one day he married my mom who had faith in Jesus. And they started having kids. And they gave us the opportunity and told us the good news of Jesus. And we came to faith in Jesus. And now we pass that on to our children. But you trace it back and it goes back to a bus ministry. The Renton Assembly of God. 
You never know what God will do in and through you. We have a choice to make on the river of life. Will we stand on the shore and watch, or will we go all to all lengths to help those who are struggling just to keep above water, who are lost and dying in sin? It reminds me of the old hymn back from the 1800s. It says, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. And that brings us to our final item this morning. The final item on the boat, if you're taking notes, here it is. You got to have an anchor. I'd like to thank Pastor Allen for providing this anchor. It's been in salt water and it's really rusty and it's kind of heavy, so I'm going to set it down. Number seven, if you're taking notes, is an anchor. If you're going to leave shore, it would be wise to have an anchor along with you. It would be good to have one on board. When an anchor is lowered into the water, it stabilizes the boat and it immobilizes it where it's at. Now, years ago, when they would use anchors, they would put it down in the water and based on the weight of the anchor itself and the drag and the friction of the, of the seafloor, that's what helped keep boats in place. But nowadays, they have actual anchors that they can drop that will drill into the seabed to anchor and stabilize boats or pontoons or other things that they need to keep stabilized and not to move around. On the river of life, the purpose of our anchor is to keep us from moving when the storms of life come. And they will come. None of us are immune. They will come, but that's the purpose of our anchor on our boat. When the storms arrive, what will we anchor ourselves to? Reminds me um, of a story about a farmhand. Talked to another farmhand, and he made a dare to him. And he said, hey, I dare you to tie your arm to the tail of that cow over there. He said, oh, you don't think I'll do it? Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it right now. He went over and he tied his arm to the tail of the cow. And then the other farmhand slapped the backside of that cow. And as this other farmhand was anchored to the tail of this cow, it drug him all over the field. Bad decision. Don't do it. <laughs> if we anchor ourselves to the things of this world, we will be in trouble. But if we anchor ourselves to Jesus we will make it through the storms of life. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong. He promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13.5, Jesus is our strength, he is our stability, and he is our security. Did you hear that? Yes. He is our strength, our stability, and our security. Seven items this morning we've covered. They're in our boat and they will determine what flow we will follow in life, where we'll go. We talked about baggage being burdens and blessings. We talked about an oar reminding us to be doers of the word, having active faith. We talked about a life jacket being the Holy Spirit and spiritual mentors, giving us God's strength, his power, and wisdom. We talked about people in the boat and how important it is to choose wisely who shares the space of your boat and of your life. We talked about the map and the flashlight being God's word and direction for our lives. We also spoke about the rescue buoy, rescuing those who are perishing in sin. And finally, we talked about the anchor and asking that question, where will you secure your boat? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know it's been a little longer message today, but we've had time, and I felt like this is what the Lord wanted me to share. In fact, I've been sitting on this message for two and a half years, and this was the Sunday that I was given the opportunity to share it. So I believe that God, everyone who's listening, you're here for a reason. God is speaking to those online as well. But in closing, I'd like to ask you this question. Who is the captain of your ship? Who's the captain? Who makes the final decision in your life about what direction you're going to go? Will you allow Jesus to steer you? Well, if the answer is yes, if he's your captain, then our position is to sit 
as close to the front of the boat as possible. Our job is to keep paddling, paddling forward, and he will direct our path, and he will steer and guide us as the captain. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, I'm going to leave you with this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He is the one who will keep you on track. The choice is up to us today. What flow will we follow? With every head bowed and eye closed, I've asked the worship team, they're gonna lead us in just one last chorus this morning. But be encouraged today, friends. If you're carrying burdens that feel too much, the Lord will help you if you'll cry out to him today. If you yourself have never come to Jesus and you feel like you're drowning in the weight of your sin, call out to him today. He will rescue you. He will save you. If you will simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you all the days that you give me. And I want to be with you in heaven one day. If you pray that prayer, he will rescue you. He will save you. He will put you on a sure foundation. And he will give your life purpose. He will give you meaning. And he will use you for glorious things, if that would be you today. And just a reminder, allow yourself to be anchored in Jesus. As the world gets darker and it gets more unstable, even more reason for us to be anchored in Jesus so we can make. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the opportunity we've had to hear your word today. I ask, Lord, in these next few moments, as we just think about what we've heard, as we contemplate where we are on the river of life, I ask, Father, that you will speak to each and every person. God, that we would respond to you based on what you are speaking to our hearts. Lord, I thank you that you are all that we need. And I ask, Father, this morning, as we conclude this service, that you will speak to our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as they close in this last worship chorus together?